Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Why should you visit thechairshot.com? Thechairshot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. I'd actually like to take this opportunity to wish Greg DeMarco Show best in all his future endeavors. <laughs> get down, get down. edition of the Greg DeMarco show. My name is Greg DeMarco. You can find me on your social media at Chairshot Greg. The Greg DeMarco show is of course brought to you as part of the Chairshot Radio Network, which you can hear exclusively, not exclusively at, but uh, is part of thechairshot.com. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. This show, just like all of our shows, is available on all your podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart, Spotify, and so many more. Pick your favorite one, like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, and share with your friends. When you do so, we'll say thank you. You're welcome! God, this episode is so much fun. I, I didn't record, you know, the little driving snippet, you know, where I was in the drive-thru in and out burger, anything like that, because the interview itself is an hour and 15 minutes long, and... Uh, if you've seen the description, you know now who the interview is. But the interview uh, is not, you know, it's, it's so funny. This is the fourth straight week of doing this. Uh, all the guests have been people that have asked to come on, and this is no different. My wife, the lovely and talented Mrs. DeMarco, Holly, will be the guest this week. It's such a fun conversation. We talk more wrestling than the other three interviews did, and she's not a wrestling fan at all. So that was a lot of fun to do as well. And yeah, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to get to know a different side of my life, and which is what the driving segments are about. But this is, the whole thing is, is kind of like that. And you get to hear it from the perspective of somebody else. 
Uh, and just, just a lot of fun in general. And of course, just like all these interviews, there's something to learn there, something where you can learn from somebody about their life and what you can learn and take away from it. Before we do any of that, a couple quick things of note to do. You know, it's Mother's Day. When, actually, it's, heck, it's past Mother's Day now when I'm recording this. The interview was recorded on Saturday. I It's overnight Sunday that I'm recording this little opening now, so I can get this out for you Monday morning. But, you know, uh, we're hitting week nine of COVID-19 as it is May 11th, probably when you're listening to this, May 11th, 2020. I hope you're hanging in there. And if you are, if you aren't, well, now's the time to let me know because I need to know, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. How are you, Greg? You know me. I am doing fantastic, man. state of mind you know whether how, how you're feeling how you're doing that's up to you and that's a decision you have a choice you have to make and hopefully you choose to make it fantastic we are almost interview time a couple more bits that we need to handle you guys know the drill you guys know what to do head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot pick up your very own chair shot t-shirt look i could tell you all about it but i'm not the best person for that job so listen to this viva la raza Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is the queen of soft style herself, Miranda Morales, co-host of Chairshot Radio and the host of the Hashtag Miranda Show. And I'm here to tell you where you can find the best t-shirts around. Well, you can find them on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chairshot. There you can find over 25 different styles, designs, and colors, all in support of thechairshot.com. Don't forget to pick up your Queen of Soft Style t-shirt, but also you can pick up the hashtag Save Tag Team Wrestling, Baron Corbin Sucks, and the OG Cheer Shot t-shirt. So go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Cheer Shot to get your very own t-shirt today. Again, that's ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash The Chair Shot to get your very own Chair Shot t-shirt. And don't forget, get in in soft style. All right, we are almost there for the moment you're waiting for the interview with the lovely and talented Mrs. DeMarco herself. But I need to remind you 
that we're all sitting at home right now, not a lot to do. Well, you can still watch wrestling. Of course, you've got your WWE Network subscription. You can also subscribe to powerslam.tv. Support for this program and all of the programs as part of the Chairshot Radio Network is provided by powerslam.tv. Head on over there, powerslam.tv, and use the promo code Chairshot. Get yourself a free month. Don't take it from me. Listen to this, and I'll give you that promo code again on the other side. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get a full free month. It's only 6 bucks after that. What a great deal. But you don't have to spend 6 bucks right now. Just just sign up, get that free month, try it out, see if you like it. And if so, you can stick around. Right, that's enough out of me, at least in this regard. Let's flip things around a little bit, play some bumper music, get into the interview with the lovely and talented Mrs. DeMarco herself. That's my wife. Enjoy. Let me know what you think. At Chairshot Greg and all your forms of social media. Greg DeMarco at thechairshot.com. Hit me up, and I would love to hear what you think of the interview. A little less conversation, a little more action, please. All this aggravation ain't satisfaction in me. A little more bite, a little less bark, a little less fight, a little more spark. Close your mouth and open up your heart, and baby, satisfy me. Satisfy me, baby. Maybe close your eyes and listen to the music. Tied up, no more love, and I'd hate to see you waiting. Had to have high hopes for living, shooting for the stars, but I couldn't make a killing. Didn't have a time, but I always had a vision, always had high hopes. Had to have high hopes for living, didn't know how, but I always had a feeling I was gonna be that one in a million. Always had high hopes. So 10 years I've been doing this podcasting thing and writing about wrestling on the internet and all this stuff. And we've had our daughter has been on the air. Our son has been on the air, but never have we had an appearance on air. She's been referred to plenty of times. Uh, Almost every single episode you're going to hear her name referred to. It is the lovely and talented Mrs. DeMarco around here. We, we actually call her Mom, or we call her Holly, and now you get to join me on the Greg DeMarco Show. Yay! I know. It's kind of fun. Um, very exciting. I've been teasing it all week to people, um, and, and no one knows. Like, like People said they were going to find out, and then didn't follow through on it, so no one knows that you're on the show with me. Of course, they know now, well, yeah. but... Um, but yeah, it's very exciting to have you on. Of course, everybody heard the song. That was your intro. We will talk about that later. 
but it's so exciting to, to have you on the show and do everything. Now, this technically isn't your first ever on-air appearance. I remember this is this is our third time trying to record this now because um, every interview we do is Google Hangouts or Skype or phone, and we're sitting next to each other on the couch. So <laughs> yep, our new couch, our new couch that we just got that people saw on social media. Um, I think I put it on Twitter. So we, uh, but this like I said, this third time trying to record this, and it threw me. Okay, so a few months ago, you actually did appear on air. It was you telling our son to brush his teeth. And you were like, Gio, brush your teeth. And we, we, we laughed about it. I think it was during the hashtag Miranda show. It might have been during the big show. But basically, completely appeared on air, you telling our son to go brush his teeth. And, and I remember we joked about that. And we're like, you better go brush his teeth. So, you know, so, so this is technically not your first appearance on air. This is your first knowingly mm-hmm. appearing on air and knowingly being involved in an interview with your own husband who's done countless of these but I, even today as we're recording this on saturday may 9th i teased it on social media i was like this is a an interview that you're gonna love one that <laughs> we're, nobody's ready for no and pressure no pressure whatsoever um and this, so this is the fourth interview like this that i've done with the solo show and and, and every guest is requested to be on Including yourself. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't really request. I said, why haven't you asked to put me on? No, it was more like, <laughs> I'm going to be on your show. And that's the thing, though, when, you know, people are starting to make requests. And I have this list of people that want me to interview them. And I'm excited about that. But, you know, there's a handful of people that when they say, hey, I want to come on, um, they're going to jump to the front of the line. And, <laughs> and you're you're one of those. By the way, when you tap the pen on your leg, the microphone's probably going to pick it up. Okay, sorry. So, this is, look, we're sitting in our house. We're, we're recording an interview. You might hear things, you know, that that's fine. There's times we record stuff in the car and, and you'll hear whatever. Like, it, it's over the past 10 years, everything has been recorded every which way. Who the heck knows? And always, always lots of fun in the end. And that's what matters. So, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday, May 9th. Um, shortly before 11 p.m., but then that's 2020. And the reason why I say that is because these episodes live on forever on the internet, and you just never know. Somebody might hear this two, three, four years down the road. Who knows? Today, someone was asking me about an interview that I did probably, I think it was done in January of 2016, and somebody was asking me about it, and they were they wanted to find it and listen to it because that person's on TV now, and so they wanted to, to hear what that person had to say four years ago, and they weren't on television. But that means people are going to be listening to this, and they may not remember exactly what we were going through. And, and it's crazy to think, because right now, it's a part of our everyday life. You, not a day goes by, not an hour goes by, where you don't think about the coronavirus and COVID-19. And that's what we're in the middle of right now. It has changed all of our lives. It's, it's, there's two types of people out there. Those whose lives have been changed by COVID-19 and those who are lying to themselves about it because there's no way your life is the same as it was before all this stuff went down back in March. So for you as a mom, as a high school administrator, which we'll get into, um, as a wife, as everything, how has it changed things for you? Um, well, it's changed everything. It's, you know, I definitely see more of your face every day. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, but I also see, you know, the kids every day. Um, you know, it's, it's tough. My job is used to just, I'm always going and I'm always interacting and I'm always trying to like do 15 things at once. And now it's, it's, 
everything's on the computer. Everything's like, you know, Google Hangouts or Zoom and trying to lesson plan for my own kids. And it's, it's, it's a different type of busy and it's can be very overwhelming and it can get, you know, you know, in a way very lonely. Um, it's, it's tough to not be able to, to be in your normal routine and get out and have your, your time to do your thing. And, um, instead it's, you know, I'm in meetings and the kids are running downstairs cause they don't know how to do exponential functions. And, um, I'm trying to teach myself watching YouTube videos while I'm working, while I'm trying to help, you know, our son with math. So it's just, it's, crazy and it's and it's sad I mean the kids the kids are struggling a little bit they don't have dance and soccer the way they're normally used to having it you know Gio doesn't have his soccer tournaments and Nelly has had several dance competitions canceled so it's just tough you mentioned Gio and and you mentioned Nelly and of course I want to make sure that everybody knows Gio is this soundbite fucking nerd and of course, so Nelly proud. is this soundbite. Oh, hey, Mark. Now, Gio has his own shirt, of course, over at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. He has his suck it nerd shirt, and and we don't have one for Nelly just yet. And then people have heard those names on air before. Giovanni and Penelope. Giovanni's 14. Penelope is 11. Uh, those are, of course. Going on 21. Our children. Yes. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're, Gio's ready to go to college. Nelly's ready to go to France and do mm-hmm. whatever and start her own clothing line and do who knows what. But, yep, that's the uh, that's the adventures that we have with, with those two. And it is tough because your job is more flexible than my job is. My job is basically pretty much put us in a position where it's got to be like you're in the office just working from home. So it's a lot harder for me to come out and do things than it is for you. And sometimes it's not ideal for either of us, too. And that's a big part of what we're having to deal with. And then I think most people listening to this, especially if they're listening in May of 2019 or 2020, if they're listening in May of 2019, I don't know how yeah. they pulled that off DeLorean and mm-hmm. 88 miles an hour, but I was thinking Harry Potter time Turner. Yeah. Well you would. Yeah. Okay. But that's okay. We got all the bases covered with, with our listeners <laughs> off those two things, but it's, it's, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. I mean, it's just turned everybody's world upside down. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Turned everybody's world upside down but i want to go into a little bit about the world before it got turned upside down because you um i don't know if it's ever come up on air or not i mean people who know me know me know this but you're a high school administrator and basically that means you're an assistant principal of a high school local high school we won't name the high school and you know it's just like uh just for anybody out there who's like googling trying to figure it out this is this is common knowledge to anybody who's ever listened to these shows before demarco is not our last name it's a stage name that we've been using for a long, long time. Um, there's been like two or three references to the real last name in the past 10 years. I'm not going to tell you now. You'll have to go out there and find it. But it's, you know, you are a high school administrator now, assistant principal at high school. And it's funny that you're an assistant principal at a high school because if we go all the way back to, to college and, and, you know, even shortly after college, the one thing you said you weren't going to do was teach. No, I didn't say I wouldn't teach. I said I would never be an administrator. No, no. You said back then, you said you weren't going to teach. You said you were never going to be a teacher. You didn't study education in college. You started, you did it one semester of education. You got a 4.0 that semester and then changed out of it. And you always said you wouldn't be a teacher. Why? Why why did you not want to be a teacher for so long? You know, and it's, it's funny that this is where I ended up 
you know, growing up, you know, I have a, a long line of family members um, that have been in education, you know, going all the way back to like great, great grandparents. Uh, my, you know, my mom went to college when I was in uh, like late elementary school and middle school. And I watched her graduate and she became a teacher. And I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to follow my, my mom's footsteps. She was a single mom raising me and my sister. And I just. Did you aspire to follow in that part of her footsteps too? <laughs> you failed at that if you, if you did. Yeah, no, I, I, I much like my my position now as a married person versus a single mom. Um, so, uh, sorry. That's okay. I'll, I'll be all right. I made it this far. <laughs> but, um, you know, so I would always think about teaching and then I got to high school and I fell in love with journalism and I was, you know, the editor of my school, you know, high, my high school newspaper. And I just, I just had that passion for, for journalism. So when I went to college, that's what I majored in. But then freshman year of college, I met you. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it all went downhill from there. Pretty much, yeah. um, So, you know, and as we moved through college and our relationship grew, you know, the thought of me being in journalism and being a reporter, you know, would require like weird hours and traveling. And I really wanted to focus on, you know, being a wife and, you know, having a, some normalcy to a life. And so I would, you know, I did, I switched my major to education and then I'm like, you know, then I thought that I'd have to go longer. I wanted to graduate in four years. And so I went back to journalism. I think I spent a semester doing Eng like an English major. I thought it was marketing. Well, I did marketing for a semester too. Yeah. Here's the thing. Like I must hold like a record for how many times I changed my major you in college. Don't hold a record. And still graduated in four years. You might be on a list somewhere, okay. but I don't think it's a record. I bet. Yeah. That's probably a lot. But I've always had a passion for working with kids and, and working with people, which is funny because I'm so introverted that I have a, you know, I've always worked, you know, wanted a job where I'm working with lots of people. And, you know, and so I graduated and, you know, it just started with me working at a, you know, a local um, daycare center, preschool. Because even then you didn't want to teach. No, because I was like, you know, I was in charge. I was, you know, I was a director of this daycare center. And um, and I don't know why they put a 21, 22 year old in charge of, you know, a whole preschool that had babies all the way up to 12 year olds thinking that I knew what I was doing. Um, and then it just, that wasn't working for me. I didn't like the, the you know, I, I loved working with little kids, but it's, I just, it wasn't, I didn't have enough impact like on the education. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, but I didn't get my degree in education. So that started the whole, well, what do I have to do to, yep. to get my certification <clears throat> and took some random classes to fill some, you know, requirements at local community colleges and one from there. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember, you know, I ended up working at, at customer service or actually oh. in collections. Oh, that's and that horrible. Was the you know, she worked in collections for Capital One. I don't mind saying the company. I worked there too. I was a manager and we were in actually buildings that were next to each other. Mm -hmm. So I'd walk across and because and her, her building had the bigger uh, cafeteria. And so we'd walk over there and have lunch. And yeah, it was just, you know, the things you go through and the things you do so that you can do what you want to do. Um, but now it's kind of funny because, uh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna fast forward and you're about, you know, so you went to the high school that your mom taught at 
And yes, I graduated from the school yeah, she graduated taught at. She taught at. And so now it's May, and so basically we're going to be coming up on August when your son will be going to the high school that <laughs> oh. you are an assistant principal at. Yes, he is. So uh, I guess the question I should ask is, I don't even think he realizes that that's supposed to suck. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, and I went to a much smaller high school than he's going to go to. My high school had um, just over 800 total students um, in the whole entire school. Um, his, his high school is going to have 1,800. Right. <laughs> so it's you know, more than double. Yeah. Um, but I loved going to the same school my mom taught at. I mean, you know, it's closed campuses nowadays for most schools. Mm-hmm. But, you know, my senior year, my mom would sign me out so I could go get Taco Bell for lunch <laughs> and bring it back for her and my friends. You know, so there was definitely some perks of going to school um, with her there. Uh, you know, I don't think I got any special privileges or any special advantages. I, I think I was a pretty good, you know, I was a goody two shoes. I didn't do anything. Um, but I think, you know. We talk to Gio all the time, like, you know, if I was to leave the school I'm at, would you still go there? And, you know, and part of him is like, yes, because that's where all his friends are. Mm-hmm. But then another big part of him is like, no, I want to go where you are. Um, you know, and, you know, it's just he's that yeah. kind of kid. I think once he starts there, he'll stay there. Oh, yeah. And and even if you were to leave and go somewhere else. Um, but you never know. It's, it's just. It's, it's a very unique situation. Not, a, I mean, it's not, you know, you're not the only one in the world, obviously. Um, but it is kind of interesting that you went to the high school that your mom was at mm-hmm. and now your son and, and eventually your daughter mm-hmm. will go to the high school that you're at. That's even more unique. And that pool of people that, that have that same experience is much more limited. Um, but you started off in middle school and mm-hmm. teaching middle school because that was the easiest thing to teach credential-wise. Well, no, that's where the opening was. They that's had right. an immediate opening. And they did, and, and you filled it. And then, of course, you know, and, that was and stupid. you were never, never going to teach high school, and you did that. And then you were never going to be an administrator, and you did that. Um, so basically, the way to get my wife to do something is for her to say she's never going to do it. And then she does it and, and does it with flying colors. But... That's obviously, you know, a whole career that you've been through already. And and there's ups and downs and roller coasters and all kinds of stuff that you've been through. How is that experience, basically, how has it changed you? How are you different now than when you first stepped foot in that classroom at Carter G. or whatever the name of that middle school was in, in Virginia? Carter G. Woodson Middle School. Yep. So how have you changed? How would, you, how would you say you've changed? Uh, oh, gosh. Um, that's a really tough question. It's When I stepped foot into the, my very first classroom on that very first day. Now, my very first day of teaching was not the first day of school. Nope. My first day of teaching was like January 29th. Um, and it was an emergency hire. I was not certified. It was an emergency certification. Never student taught. I had no idea. I thought uh, kids were going to be like twiddling their thumbs going, teach me, teach me, teach me. And um, instead, it was the scenes from Dangerous Minds. And kids were throwing paper balls and there was fights in my classroom and kids just walking in and out as they pleased. And it, I cried every day for two months. Um, but I think I've I've grown as an educator um, just from that experience. Like I'm now, you know. 
I was, you know, I've been a teacher, I've been an instructional coach before I became an assistant principal. And I can say like during my two years as an instructional coach, that first year experience for me uh, changed how I approached education in my classroom. And, and, and that's what I've been able to share with teachers, even now as an assistant principal, where I'm not directly like in their classrooms every day coaching them, I still evaluate teachers and I still have to work with them. Um, and, you know, those new teachers, when they have those hard days, I always tell them, I said, when you get to that point where you're just like, nothing could ever be worse than this, you need to come talk to me and I'll share my first teaching experience. Um, and typically every single first year teacher at some point during that year will come and talk to me and I share it with them. And so it's it's having had that really rough experience benefits me now in giving back to teachers. But it's just it's, you know, I don't know necessarily how it's changed me. I've been in education now for 20 years. It's it's hard to think about who who I was and how I was before this, because right. as an educator, it's, it's who you are. It's it's not like a nine to five job where I go, I do it and I come home and don't have to think about it as an educator. It's it's almost a defining personality trait. It's, it is. It's definitely a defining personality trait. You have changed in your confidence level big time. And, and just the way you talk and, and the way you carry yourself in those conversations versus the way you would have beforehand and even, even throughout. Just the, the fact of, you know, tackling something head on is very different for you now than it was back then. And, and just how to deal with things that come up and, and uncertainty and, and just changes those are all things that you didn't like before and may not still like them now, <laughs> but definitely handle them differently. Yeah. And that just comes with experience and that comes with growing as a person as well. But your environment has really influenced that for you. And you've also switched from being the person who's influencing or being influenced by others to the person who's influencing others. And that's, that's a scary thought. <laughs> It is a scary thought for, for a lot of people, and, and I get that, and, and, you know, your employers have allowed you to continue to do it, so yeah. we're very thankful for that. But that's actually a good transition because they're someone who has been influential for you, um, and, and anybody who's in the world of education listening to this might have heard this name before. Um, otherwise, maybe not. I never would have heard of this person had it not been for you, but there is a, a very well-known teacher of teachers out, out there, and and world-renowned author, speaker, educator by the name of Harry Wong. And you, I guess, I don't know if you first encountered Harry Wong through training. Like, how did all that come about? Because there's multiple inter, multiple cross, you know, crisscross I've, with Harry Wong. Yeah, I've crisscrossed with him a couple of times in my career. Um, but it goes all the way back to he came um, and was a speaker at a uh, – like a back to school training that um, I went to. I don't even remember when it was, it was probably maybe my third or fourth year teaching. Uh, and so he's very motivational. Um, I mean, in education, most people will have heard of, of um, Harry Wong. He, you know, he wrote the book uh, first days of school, uh, which is kind of like the, the go-to book for any new teacher. Um, but after that presentation and, you know, motivational presentation he gave, you know, he encouraged people to come up to him and talk to him. So I went up to him um, and just kind of shared that first year experience story I had. And because Harry Wong is really all about like procedures and routines and that's 
and, and everything. And so I kind of shared my story and told him, you know, that's routines and procedures and expectations that I set in my classroom is the only way I got through that first year after crying every single day um, because the kids didn't have any and it was the only thing that I could do and it, and it worked. Uh, so that was my first interaction with him was that moment. He, right. he told me, he's like, um, he's like, he gave me his card and he's like, you know, that was like way back before, you know, lots of email right. and cell phones and texting and everything. So he told me, he asked me to write him a letter to, to kind of just go through the whole story. That's just the funny. He asked you to write him a letter. Like, yeah. like, what, is this 1987? Like he asked you to write him a letter. So, so I, I want to have been an email, but he asked me to write it too. He asked yeah. me to write his, write my story out. To I him. do want to jump in there because, um, what you talked about, and and it, it's and plan on talking about this, but it just struck a chord. Uh, you always talked about the phrase classroom management, and mm-hmm. that's something that you know, uh, non educator, I never would have heard of, right? Mm-hmm. Classroom management, but that's kind of become your thing, and mm-hmm. and something that you help a lot of people out with, and and you know, classroom management, and it's really largely because of what you encountered mm-hmm. when you first started teaching, but that you know. I guess, was it, you know, inevitable that because of that, that was going to become your calling card in, in the world of education? Because that's like a big thing with you and, and a big area where you can help other teachers, too. Well, I just, I, you know, it is. I think that's why it's it's probably a strength of mine is because I learned so much those first couple of years, just like any first year teacher. But, you know, my experience was a little different. Um But I, I, I know and I appreciate the fact that you can't teach you don't have a managed classroom right like you, you know it's you know everyone's like i'm sending my kid to school to learn you better teach my kid well you're not going to be able to teach their kid if you don't have a relationship with those students if you haven't created a classroom where the, the kids know what their expectations are and, and they know when they walk in what to do because kids thrive on structure they might not like it and they may never admit to that like our own kid like you know our 14 year old if you mess up his schedule or his routine he's better as he's gotten older but like not not much but it's like you know we would know the second week of summer vacation he'd be a mess he'd be getting in trouble every day because his routine had completely changed um and so i just i really was able to appreciate how important it is to spend time one getting to know kids building relationships with kids you know, you, you hear the comment that, you know, the kids aren't going to care unless they know you care about them. And it's, you know, it's it's really funny. I uh, One of my memories on Facebook yesterday or the day before yesterday was a poem that one of my eighth graders had written. This eighth grader is now, uh, she's, a, she's a nurse at a local pediatric hospital in the area. She's married with her own kids and... Um, I'm friends with her on Facebook and I found it and it was part of an eighth grade project she did in my class and it's I posted it and you know she responded and she's like oh my god I love you and then all of the other kids that I'm Facebook friends with that I had the same year I had her all liking it and commenting on it and it's just but it's you know that's not anything you know I'm not trying to like you know pat myself on the back but it's because I built these relationships with kids and I think in education you have to you have to care about kids and Sometimes we see, especially at the high school level, that not that, you know, everybody likes the kids if they're a teacher, but sometimes we lose focus and we get lost in the content Mm -hmm. of what we're teaching and we forget about who we're teaching. You know, it's funny, and this is completely off topic, and we'll get back to Harry Wong in a second. Oh, yeah. But I can pretty much name 
the who that student is, and, and that's mm-hmm. and I couldn't do that over the past ten years, but I could definitely do that from back then. That was from your first year teaching. That was the first time we lived in Arizona. Yes. And the crazy thing about that is. Like we have two kids and they fight over who's the favorite kid all the time. And, mm-hmm. and, and when you go through teaching for so long, it, it's really hard to say you have a favorite year. I know damn well that's your favorite year. <laughs> like I know that's your favorite class. I know <laughs> that's your favorite everything. And I love that year. And you probably have more Facebook friends from that year yep. in terms of students that have become, you know, adults and, and friends with you on social media. Yeah, probably pretty close with the number of my journalism kids. Right, but those would be for multiple years, yeah. too. So it's definitely that one year probably has more than any other one specific year, um, which is just crazy to think because it was one of your earlier years of teaching. and It was my third year teaching. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it's, you know, when a year like that happens and it's like, I can't duplicate this, I think that's also when you realize maybe I can move into other things like you did. I do want to get back to Harry Wong. Mm-hmm. So so you wrote him the le- either a letter or an email. We don't know. Yeah. Probably an email. I probably need um, So then what happens? So then fast forward several years, um, you know, we, in that time, I, we spent our time in Arizona. We moved to Connecticut. We moved back. Um, at that time I was, you know, I, I was back into teaching high, I was in high school at that point. Uh, and I get a random email from Harry Wong in my inbox and I'm like now I, I want to so this is like because the majority of people who listen to this are wrestling fans I just want to so this is as if like okay like Triple H just emailed her okay yes. so basically this is what this is the equivalent right not like the the guy who runs everything but the guy that you wish ran everything and and so Triple H just sent me an email that's the equivalent that my wife experienced in the story she's talking about with Harry Wong sending her an email. And so I was really kind of flabbergasted and the email was twofold. One was he was getting ready to publish his second book, which is a classroom management book straight up. It's called classroom management. Um, and he wanted to publish me in it. Uh, and just, you know, take a little blurb out of what I had given him all those years ago and put me in there. And I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, but then the second piece of it was that he was coming to the area and was going to be presenting at Grand Canyon University. And he asked if I would be a guest speaker, um, you know, and be able to, you know, kind of share my story and share my experience with him on stage, share the stage with Harry Wong, and, um, you know, I I was honored, but holy crap, was I terrified. I mean, this was going to be a presentation in front of 900 teachers, superintendents, you know, all the way up, like, as big as you can get into the education world in, you know, um, in Grand Canyon University's arena. So, um, one, I'm used to talking at that point, I was still a classroom teacher. So my biggest, toughest crowd were teenagers, um, not adults and in groups of 30, 35. <laughs> yeah. But any educator will tell you that it's, it's a piece of cake. If you're a teacher and you're good at it to talk in front of kids, you can talk in front of kids all day until you're blue in the face. But when you have to talk in front of adults, it's the most terrifying thing in the world. Well, you did. I did. It was Halloween. It was, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was about, I was still at Millennium. Oops. 
<laughs> you can edit that out, right? <laughs> nope. No editing. We don't do editing on these okay. shows. I'm sure I'll do something. Okay. Um, I was at a different school than I'm at now. So it would probably might have been now, but maybe six years ago. Yeah, probably at least. Um, but yeah, so I went and got to meet him and hang out with him. And I presented beside him and I was terrified the entire time, but it was really, really exciting. And, you know, afterwards he, you know, sent me, you know, another email and told me to keep in touch with him. He sent me a free copy, a free autograph copy of the book that I, that he published me in. So it was, it was, it was a pretty cool major highlight of my, yeah. my career. I would say so. Definitely <laughs> a huge highlight. And so, so you'd said you're never going to be a teacher. You became a teacher. You said you were never going to be an administrator. You became an administrator. You've said plenty of times you're never going to become a principal. And so, I mean, I, history tells us that you're going to become a principal at some point in time. Um, what, I mean, what would you what would you want from that? Like, how would you feel if you were a principal of a school? Um... I don't know. I, I think, you know, I, I think any new principal feels the same way that they feel and, and anybody would in a new position. It's, it's scary. Uh, and I think right now, the reason I say I would never be at least a high school principal is because when I'm in a, I'm in an administrative right. position at high school and it's just, I don't, I don't want to deal with everything that I see my principal dealing with. Um, you know, and principal, principal longevity sometimes isn't the highest. I mean, I've been at the current school I'm at first. This is my sixth ending my sixth year right. at the school. I'm on my fourth principal. Um, so principal turnovers are, are high. They're higher at the high school level than they are somewhere else. But, you know, there's, there's other things that I'm interested in doing. Uh, you know, I, you know, I think I would be successful at it. Uh, you know, whatever my position is, I always give 110% to do the best I can. So I think I would be, fine being a principal uh i would consider being an elementary principal i think my personality would lend itself better in that realm than at the high school level but there's other things that i'm interested in um i'm definitely more of a program manager behind the scenes kind of person like i i do i like i like to plan and organize and and manage things that are going on which is why i love working with you know, curriculum and, you know, I oversee testing, which isn't necessarily my favorite thing, but I'm apparently really good at it because they keep making me do it. Keep making you do it. Um, so you're either really good at it or you just don't say no. <laughs> well, I don't, I have a hard time saying no when I'm asked to do things. So, um, unless you're asking me to do things. Yeah. I was like, pretty easy. Um, so, you know, I've looked at some district level positions, um, where I can really kind of be in charge of programs and, and, you know, help support teachers who mm -hmm. are, you know, teaching kids, you know, there's, there's a couple like, um, I don't want to say what, you know, I don't want to say them, but you don't have to, and you shouldn't, I'm not, but I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to describe what they are. Like, you know, educational companies. Yeah. There's, yeah. There's, uh, companies. I mean, the, the world of education, even though it's public education, there's tons of private organizations that intersect with the public school systems and provide them with services and they, they're paid for it. And, and so, there'd be plenty of opportunity for you there as well. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, then you get in the private sector and the hours change and, yeah. and you have to deal with all that. But, you know, kids are getting older, so that's always always a possibility as well. Um, 
and I had an idea of, of what I want. Oh, now I remember. So I want to go back to a time that I, something I remember that happened. And when you were a teacher and it was, I don't know if it was like a, you know, one of those nights where you get to meet everybody before school begins or if it was after school started. But what I remember, not to fill in the blanks, is basically you, I don't know if it was a conference. I don't know what it was, but basically a parent thought you were a student. <laughs> Well, that's happened more than once. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, and it's, 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 it's funny. I mean, even now, like I'm a lot older now than I was when I was 22, 23, first starting out as a teacher. Um, but even now, like if I, you know, if I'm wearing jeans on a Friday and a t-shirt and I have my hair up in a ponytail and I'm walking down the hallway from the back, you know, it's, it's, it's hilarious to, you know, if I'm walking during passing periods and hear kids like, you know, doing saying stuff, like the biggest thing is just hearing all the profanity that they're, that they're saying as they're passing through the halls. So I simply turn around. I'm like, oh, my bleeding ears. Will you please stop? And they're just like, oh, you know, they're so taken aback that, you know, um, but it is. But, yeah, I mean, I've had questions. I had teachers, you know, or parents question me. You know, I remember that. And, uh, you know, I started talking and the parents like you know, is the teacher going to come in? And I'm like, <laughs> I am the teacher. <laughs> yep. And so, um, but yeah, it's, it, you know, I couldn't have imagined teaching high school right when I started teaching because then, you know, you're 22, 23 years old and you have 18 year olds right. in the classroom and it's just like, that seems awkward. So I'm glad that I started my career in middle school and I spent, you know, I spent seven years in middle school. So by the time I got up to high school, you know, I was, and if it wasn't for me telling you you didn't move to high school, you'd probably still be teaching middle school today. You are so full of crap. <laughs> so full of crap. No, it's the opposite. I really was, I didn't think she wanted to teach high school. I thought she would hate it. I was like, no. And then there was one day she was just like, I'm going to do this. I was like, okay. And obviously it turned out okay. It did turn out. Because here we are today and, and now you're, you're in the leadership roles and... You know, you would never say this about yourself, but I mean, you're so respected throughout your district and, and really amongst your peers and just in that community in general that, that you've established and made a name for yourself. And, and that's, you know, whenever you decide to make a move or do something, it's that world's going to be yours. And, and I really believe that it'll go that way for you. But, you know, it's down the road. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. So this is the fourth one of these solo show interviews that, that we've done. And the first three have been with people from the world of professional wrestling mm-hmm. that have some kind of impact in the world of professional wrestling from, uh, you know, Kevin Gill, who's been a commentator and has been heavily involved in wrestling on different sides, to Denise Salcedo, who's a Hollywood reporter, but has also done ring announcing and, and um, you know, some, some other reporting items on professional wrestling and, and writes about wrestling, to Chef Daryl Mack last week, who is is you know, years from now we'll, we'll be an iconic figure of, you know, selling food at wrestling events here in the state of Arizona and, and someone that I've been lucky enough to get to know. And in none of those interviews that we spend a lot of time talking about pro wrestling and they've all been like, I want to come back on and we can talk more about wrestling because everybody loves wrestling. And that's what we're here to talk about. So of course, in this setting, we're going to bring the person on who doesn't love wrestling, who is not involved in wrestling at all. And, and, if it wasn't for me, you would, would never really think about wrestling. I say, because I'm not technically not involved in wrestling. I mean, you, you can tell yourself that. But. 
But we're going to talk about wrestling, because why wouldn't we? Like, that's the perfect setup to do right now. So we are going to talk about wrestling and get into that topic a little bit, because um, that is is a big part of your life, whether or not you wanted it to be. Um, who knows? So take us back to when you realized, okay, this is this dude likes wrestling probably more than he likes me. <laughs> Sometimes I still think that. <laughs> I didn't say when. You could have made this discovery yesterday for all these people no listening. Um, well, I mean, I knew right from the start of our relationship that you loved wrestling. I mean, you know, but I was you know, 18 years old when I met you. And so, of course, I would, you know, when you're infatuated and falling in love with someone, you're going to do whatever you can to spend time with them and be like, oh, I love it, too. It's great. You never really did that. No, I mean, unless you're talking about somebody else, you were falling in love with the country. <laughs> and I was just the, the you just, you're, you're, you just settled, settled for me. But when you realized that, that I loved wrestling or whatever, and it was something you didn't like, then like, what, how did that strike you? Well, you know, at, at the beginning, it's not some, it's not necessarily that I didn't like it at the beginning. It's, I never watched it like my entire life. Like, you know, I heard about it and whatever, but I didn't grow up watching it it was never something that was ever on in our house when I was you know until I met you um and so at the beginning it was kind of like you know this weird new (laughs) thing it's just like they're really doing this um and you know and so I didn't necessarily mind watching it and you know and I did go to you know um, a couple live. Yeah, we went to Raw. You've been to Raw. You've been to Nitro. You've been to other live events. Um, we went to an ECW show, which is is you know not it, it wasn't ECW in Philly. It was in Richmond, Virginia. So a little bit different, but you know still ECW. I mean to give to give people listening an example, that ECW show was supposed to start at eight. And at 8.45, the 1,100 people were chanting, start the show. Like, I do remember that. And, of course, it did start at, like, 9, so it started an hour late, which was part of the course of the ECW. But um, it's just, you know, craziness happened and, and definitely not your scene whatsoever. Um but obviously, you you did that. I remember when when I first met Patrick O'Dowd, you were kind of relieved that now someone else could could watch wrestling. With Pat me. became one of my favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> What's funny about it is is too when we met in college and you realized that wrestling was a thing, it was just basically Monday night. And it was, and you know, and it and it wasn't bad. I feel like you know, and it's interesting because I watched it religiously with you because I wanted to be you know spend time with you, um, you know, and then. It got to a point, like, you know, after we graduated and we were married that, you know, I'm like, don't have to impress him anymore. I've already yeah. I've already snagged him. You're on your own now. So, you know, and so I stopped watching it because, you know, our, you know, our lives began and, you know, I would have, I was teaching. So I had lesson plans to, to write and papers to grade. And so that's just what I did. And you watched wrestling. And, and so there was, there's been years from where I was really aware of it. And it's only been more recently where I've, you know, watched a couple matches with you or we'll, we'll talk mm-hmm. a little bit about it, you know? Um, but it's, it's changed. It's it, wrestling has changed <laughs> yeah, it has. from when I watched it in like, you know, the late nineties, early, you know, two thousands, you know, say, you know, there was maybe like a eight to 10 year window where I would watch it a little bit more consistently. 
Um, I don't even think it's that it long. It probably isn't even that it's long. It's probably more like five or six minutes total. <laughs> and you would watch it. And it has changed. And back then, it was mainly Mondays. Uh, the occasional, you know, Sunday night, Sunday nights were pay-per-views. And then the secondary show started popping up. And now, of course, it's on, I mean, just WWE. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Plus, you've got pay-per-views on Sunday. Tomorrow, there's a pay-per-view. And from based on when we're recording this, when you're listening to it, probably yesterday, there was a pay-per-view. But... It's, yeah, it's taken over. I mean, what's crazy to think is that that means, if it's on that many nights per week, and it's it's part of American culture, which is nuts to think about, but, you know, Donald Trump's also American president, so, and he's an idiot. So, I mean, it's it's literally a part of, <laughs> people are now turning this podcast off because I call Donald Trump an idiot. But <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm more interesting than that, so they want to hear more about me. That's true. That That is very, very true. Um... And what's interesting is that, you know, obviously, we've been married, you know, we're married for six, seven, eight years, and now I kind of start to do things in wrestling. Hmm. And I'm ring announcing, and I'm starting to get more involved, and so, and it all, you know, it's a, life is, is a whirlwind, and when those things happen, it's kind of crazy, but like, and, and I'm ring announcing, and I'm ring announcing shows at a, you know, community center, at a bar, stuff like that, like, what did you think of when, when I started doing that? You know, when it first started, I'm like, okay, whatever. It, You know, he enjoys it. You know, did I think it would all last? <laughs> you know, probably not. It also started when our kids were very little. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, you know, that that occupied a lot of our time, too, raising, like, you know, toddlers. Um so it was just, you know, it was good for you to have that thing for you. And, mm-hmm. you know, I remember going to a show with with a stroller and a yep. baby in it. So. I remember that, too. <laughs> and it makes me think of that scene from Sweet Home Alabama where she's like, you have a baby in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> you and a baby at a wrestling show. You weren't the only one. I That's the thing. Video. People bring babies to wrestling shows and they come up to be, they grow up to be. They probably go up to hate wrestling, those kids. I know ours has. But <laughs> but you saw, I mean, before that, there was, you know, I did improv. I, I did stand-up comedy. You know, and, and, and so those, the, there was always some element of me doing something crazy or stupid yeah. or both at the same time. You've always had to have something. Yeah, and that's just part of the personality, I guess. Um, and, 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 you know, that, but over time, with careers and with kids and everything else and, and, that outlet also gave me more of an outlet and, and further removes you from it and, mm-hmm. and removes you from pro wrestling. And so then fast forward to this past February, on February 22nd, you were hmm. at a, first time you would come to one of my wrestling events in who knows how long, mm-hmm. probably over a decade. And, and I was running it. I was one of the two major people in charge of this show. And, you know, what was that like? What was that like Cause to see me as you've never seen me? You know, and and it's interesting because, you know, I you stopped watching it. It became your thing. But then as the years went by, it became a bigger, 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 bigger piece of your life. Um, and, you know, it was getting to a point where, you know, because I wasn't involved, it was a very separate thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard. It's hard to have something that's so big be so separate. Um, and, you know, so it was important to me, um, you know, that I didn't, 
you know, say, well, I, I hate wrestling and mm-hmm. it just, you know, I, it just couldn't be separated anymore. Right. It's like, you know, I, I needed to be more involved in, in your wrestling world. You know, and I'm proud of what you do and, you know, and I support everything you do. But to be able to go to your show and and I will say it's like hockey for me. I would much rather go and watch it than sit at home and watch it on TV, because if I'm at home, I'm like, there's much better things to do than watch this. But when you go to the show, you're going to see a show. You're going to see entertainment. Um, So, you know, I enjoyed it, you know, and I know, you know, some of, you know, like I know the Hawaiian lion from from before. Um, and you know, so it was, it was fun to see, to see that and to see these people that you've talked about. Um, and then to see you, you know, because I am proud of you. Um, you know, when you love someone, you're going right. to support them and you're going to be proud of them. And, you know, so it was, it was, I mean, it's weird to say this, but it was cute to watch you run around, Running around. And, and do everything. Kind and, of never, never standing in one spot. You know, and I, I, I met my, uh, my new favorite wrestler yep, that her night new, new favorite wrestler night. thugnificent who yep. um local fans are listening knows know exactly who thugnificent is and yes thugnificent is holly's favorite wrestler now um highly entertaining and he entertained that night and of course she's like yeah he's my new favorite wrestler and i told him that and, and he thought it was just hilarious and, and you know he's super humble and, and everything on on you know behind the scenes but what was really excited to hear that and really excited to be be a part of that um can't wait till august when i can get my picture with him yep in august <laughs> that should have been next weekend but of course that yeah. had to be postponed thanks to covid19 and the coronavirus and just like many many other things but hopefully come august we'll be able to, to have that event and, and and get to be part of it and it is interesting you talked about it. it's a show when you're there live just like hockey and, and hockey is a great analogy because i'm the same way i don't watch hockey on tv either but i love going I love to love walking to the games live going to hockey games but when you're at a wrestling event like that, you're at a wrestling event and you're getting the live aspect of it. And that's great. You're also watching everything that I created mm-hmm. at the same time. Now I know I'm not in there. I'm not wrestling. And so I didn't create everything you're seeing. And, and there's a lot of other people behind the scenes who create that. And we talked about those people before and, and many people listening to this know how the wrestling business works and, and understand what, you know, someone who does the creative side versus someone who, is laying out a wrestling match or that sort of thing. But the major twists and turns of a wrestling show and the major plot points that are set for the future, that's all my creation. And, and you're watching that kind of come to fruition. And and that's got to be, you know, to me, that's kind of crazy to, to see you, you know, know that you're watching that. Well, so. it was crazy, especially because it was uh, like there was a the Royal Rumble kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, don't, we don't call it that. I know, but I don't know what you called it. it was, the name of the match was Monster. We did call it a rumble. That, okay. that is what it was. But yeah, that was a, you know, you're talking about a match that was almost 40 minutes long and, and 13, really 15 different people got involved in it, but 13 entrants. And, uh, but that was that was what I enjoyed watching you do the most because you had the, the timer on your phone. So it was funny to kind of watch you run back and forth when it was time and like, to you know, to signal when the next person was supposed to come out. So... Um, just managing that crazy match was was pretty cool to watch you. You want to reveal all the secrets while we're sitting here right now? No, <laughs> um, well, you didn't tell me what I couldn't say. No, well, it wouldn't matter <laughs> if true. I did. So it, it would have been fine. But yeah, it was it was a blast, and and I'm so glad you got to be there for it. And and I just love hearing you talk about the August one. Like like it's not even a question of whether or not you would go. And so that 
makes me very happy, and that makes me very excited. Well, I hope I can. Everything's getting rescheduled yeah, you for August, know. so who knows? I hope we can have the event. I mean, and there's not too many other things that are scheduled for the same date because there's things we want to get done and things we want to get accomplished there. But um, over the years, you have watched wrestling, and you have been a part of it, and, and, and whenever you watch something – inevitably whether you love it or whether you don't love it there are things you like and there are things you don't like and so you have kind of jumped back in your memory banks and <laughs> for some of who you know your your memories of wrestling and also your favorites of wrestling mm-hmm. and so um i guess we'll, we'll start with the one that's not as positive but your biggest memory of wrestling is unfortunately not the yeah. most positive of memories of wrestling so like when i when i just think about wrestling in general um and I, you know, not thinking about specific wrestlers, like the one moment in wrestling that I can remember is Owen Hart's passing, uh, you know, and it was, you know, that was back when, you know, I was watching it, you know, Monday nights with you. Um, but that was also our wedding weekend. <laughs> right. Um, we got, we got married May 22nd, 1999. Um, we, uh, you know, that was a Saturday. So then we, we went on our honeymoon um, that Sunday. The next day after our wedding was the pay-per-view. We did not watch the pay-per-view on our honeymoon. No. <laughs> I might have objected to that one. <laughs> um, but we did end up watching Raw Monday night because our honeymoon location didn't turn out. It sucked. <laughs> okay. Nothing was open yet, basically. We went too soon to where we went, and, and nothing was open yet. And so we were like, nah, we're going to go home. And so we turned around and, and decided to go home and stayed, stayed the night in the hotel that Monday night as part of the ride home and watched Raw and yeah. stumbled upon that discovery. Yeah, so that's, you know, I think it's just, you know, it was, it was probably partly because it was our wedding weekend. So that, you know, that weekend, you know, was pretty prominent and then uh, you know something like that happens it just kind of gets attached so yeah it might be crazy for somebody listening now when i'm the guy who runs a wrestling website and, and hosts podcasts and puts on wrestling events to, to know that a wwe pay-per-view happened and i didn't care about it whatsoever <laughs> and wasn't focused on it at all and, and had no idea what happened and then to find out the next night that it was one of the things that wrestling fans are never going to forget and, and it's going to impact people's fandom and people's lives for the rest of their own. And I had no idea until we turned into raw that night and we we're like, what? Huh? Mm-hmm. Like, like it was just so confusing. And, and not only that, but because of what we were doing, you know, we didn't pay attention to the news. We didn't pay attention <laughs> to anything. Why would you at that point? And yeah. So, we were staying in a bed and breakfast. Yeah. So was, we didn't have a TV and, you know, it was before cell phones were really, right. You know, big. So, Definitely didn't have a computer in our hands. So that's the the negative memory. What would you so so? Who are some of your favorites? Because you did have favorites. There are things that you enjoyed about it. So what were some of your favorites? So my favorite people. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Thug, if you're listening, don't take offense <laughs> because you are my number one right now. Uh, I just didn't know you back then. Um, I would say like the 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 top really three people that kind of stand out one obviously would be the rock and mm-hmm. that's just because you know he's he's still uh you know out there and entertainment and all his movies and stuff and i you know enjoyed his personality because he's an actor he was an actor when he was a wrestler and i think that's why it translates so well into the big screen um are you looking for sound bites mm-hmm. <laughs> okay <laughs> 
That's all. Who can I have that one? I can play that one for you. In real life. Um, so I just really like The Rock. Like, for me, when it comes to wrestling, it's all about really personality. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, it, it's it's not so much about the wrestling because I don't care about the wrestling piece of it. Like, I want someone who can entertain me and draw me in because then I'm going to care about what he's doing in the ring. Um, so The Rock would be one of them. Um, Shawn Michaels. You did love Shawn Michaels early on. <laughs> early on, I did. Um, just because of how he moved his hips and right. his dancing, like you know, um, I you know early on, I really enjoyed watching. I didn't care so much necessarily about him wrestling. I liked his entrance, <laughs> so I like you know. That's okay. Um, That's a big part of the show. Yeah, uh, but I think one of the people that I really really liked watching actually wrestle would be Rey Mysterio Jr. Um, and he, you know, I love the flippy guys, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I think back to my days of being a gymnast and stuff and, um, and, you know, I just, I would love just watching him flip around the, the ring and do those crazy things and not really care about what he's doing to his body. <laughs> um, he cares now. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a little older now, but I mean, I also liked, you know, the whole, like Jeff Jarrett, Christian Edge, that kind of 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 um, those kind of guys. No, first of all, nobody likes Jeff Jarrett. Like really, Jeff Jarrett. Come on, people listening are laughing right now. Jeff Jeff Jarrett is is he's he's widely known in wrestling as a person who's been able to make a career out of such little talent compared to some other people. But you remembered him, and and he I stuck did. out to you. Yeah. So obviously, he made this you know thirty plus year career for a reason. Yeah, and I would say, I, like, tag team-wise, I like the Hardy Boys. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Hardy Boys. And you did mention, start to mention Edge and Christian. I did, yeah. Well. I liked Edge and Christian so very was, much. And, and, you know, and I, I did enjoy watching Edge return. When, yes. when Edge returned, I watched that, and I, I enjoyed that. I did watch some WrestleMania things this, this year. Really more this year than in recent years. I think because WrestleMania this year was a bigger part of what was going on in the world. Yeah. Because nothing was happening, especially in, in, you know, early April there, there was, you know, WrestleMania now was over a month ago and, and we were only into like the third or fourth week of quarantine instead of the ninth week that we're getting ready to head into now. And WrestleMania was, you know, the, the biggest happening so far that that was on, even though it was all pre-taped. And so really surreal watching WrestleMania and, and taking that in, in the way, in the way that we did. Um, but yeah, wrestling is, is something that, you know, you kind of had to, you know, absorb either through osmosis or <laughs> in person and then have, have kind of gone along with it. And, you know, this is a big part of, of, of life and, and a big part of what we do. And, you know, I've gone to country music concerts and that I would have gone to. And <laughs> Hey, you loved Garth Brooks. Garth Brooks transcends country music yeah he is and i'm not saying he's not country he's very he's definitely country but he's an iconic performer in any genre at this point what's I your mean, favorite garth brooks song my favorite garth brooks song <laughs> wait i'm supposed to be interviewing you <laughs> so my favorite that's actually an easy question to answer believe it or not um and this won't surprise you at all and, and anybody who knows garth brooks songs that listening it wouldn't surprise them either standing outside the fire mm. is my favorite garth brooks song in terms of meaning um Obviously, I love songs like Friends in Low Places. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and there's other country music songs that I like. One of my first concerts I ever went to in high school was Travis Tritt. 
Um, and I think it was the second concert I ever went to with Travis Tritt. I'm trying to remember who opened for him because it was somebody who became a bigger star after that. I don't remember who it was. Um, I did it one in high school. I saw um, John Michael Montgomery in concert in high school. Um, the only thing I remember is the the auction sounding. You song. probably only went because a girl wanted to go with that's, you. That's how we acted. Yes, I went with a girl and her brother and her brother's girlfriend. Um, and then seen Travis Tritt more than once because we saw him once at Country Thunder. Mm-hmm. Of course, we've seen Garth Brooks in concert, and there's really no point in going to a concert after seeing Garth Brooks in mm-hmm. concert because nothing will ever compare. Do you remember we saw Blake Shelton before Blake Shelton got big when he had his mullet? No. Oh. No, I don't remember. <laughs> was he opening for somebody or? Uh, no, we went. We were in Virginia, and it was more, it was at the, like a county fair or whatever, and he was like one of the little performers, and we went and we. We went with uh, Chris and Rob. Okay. And, uh, yeah. There you go. Shout out to Chris and Rob sitting in Virginia. <laughs> Probably not going to country music concerts <laughs> currently because they're too busy as well. Um, but, yeah, you know, that's definitely, yeah, Garth Brooks is he's just definitely, definitely transcends the world of, of country music. And I don't even remember how we got on the topic of country music and, and where we, what we were talking about before. <laughs> country music and and all that but um i think it was more just because of what i've gone to for you because you've had to suffer through yes that's exactly suffer through wrestling but that's okay that, that that's where we are because you know these 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 30 minute interviews always going over an hour as yours is now now you see why now you see why they go over an it's hour it's different because we're spending quality time together well i was just spending quality time with other people when i was doing their <laughs> interviews and they were on phone and skype and, and whatever else Look, I spent quality time with Chef Daryl Mack, okay? Chef, you should you should listen to his interview. That was a fascinating well, interview. Well, maybe I should do a, a podcast with him so I can spend quality time with him, too. That, you you guys would get along great. He's <laughs> he's an East Coast guy. If you like talking oh, about I love East Coast Baltimore stuff. crab cakes, you and, and Chef Daryl Mack can talk forever. That would be good. So... <laughs> So we talked about, you know, when we when we first went on the air, um, or when your interview started, a song played, and I always kick off these interviews with a song, and the songs are selected by the guest, and so it's funny to call you a guest, but you are a guest here on the Greg DeMarco Show. What song did you pick? I picked High Hopes. By Panic at the Disco. Yes. And, and one of the rules about these songs, it's not just a song, oh, play the song because I like it, because I warned the guest, I'm going to ask you about this song, mm-hmm. so you better have a reason <laughs> why you picked that particular song and and music for you and, and songs have been a huge part of your life uh-huh. as long as i've known you uh-huh. so why did you pick that song you know it's funny as as important as music is in my life i'm horrible with song lyrics i'm yes, horrible with titles of songs yes, and artists of songs um because a lot of times for me with music it's it's, sometimes it's just the, it's the lyrics when I listen to them, but a lot of times it's it's the beat and like just that the the chorus of it. Um, so recently, I would say within the last you know four months or so, I kind of created like this new little playlist mm-hmm. of of like song like I don't want to say necessarily inspirational songs or motivational songs, but in a way that like like kind of uplifting songs that if I'm like you know kind of struggling or you know need some encouragement or whatever i can you know play this playlist and they're all songs that i like and that i find meaning in 
Um, this one just happens to be kind of one of my go-to songs that I could just put on on repeat and just listen to over and over and over again. And I think it's one, of course, it's it's the beat. It makes me feel good. Um, but it's just it's it's the high hopes. It's like the title of the song. It's 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 what I always want to remind myself to have, you know, that, you know, no matter how bad things get or how, you know, frustrated things might make me or, you know, if I'm like feeling really down or hopeless or helpless, you know, that I, I that there are high hopes. There are high hopes for the future. Um, COVID-19 is not going to last forever. We're gonna, <laughs> we will eventually get back to normal. Um, I refuse to call this normal or a new yeah, normal. Yeah, same way. If you want to know that, it's just, I don't like the new normal because it's not normal. It's temporary. It is temporary. And I'm excited to get back to normal. And I have high hopes for when, you know, we do get back to normal. I have high hopes for, for me personally, you know, in my future, you know, both personal and professional. I have high hopes for my children, um, for their futures. You know, our son's getting ready to start um, ninth grade. It's insane to think he's going to be in high school. And he's, you know, already talking about being recruited for college sports. Um, You know, I have high hopes for for us, you know, in in our marriage and our relationship. Um, You know, as much as I don't want our kids to, to grow up and move out, um, in in six years we're gonna be empty yep. nesters, and I, you know, and that'll be great. <laughs> yeah, empty nesters, and and still still really young for empty nesters, and so yeah, we're gonna have a whole you know second act where we get to do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And, and, Poor kids are, I have no idea what's going on. They're going to be so mad when we're like, oh, we're not going to be home this weekend. We're traveling. And they'll yeah. be like, what are you talking about? Because, Why? you know, we tell them all the time. We traveled all the time before we had them. Yeah. Um, and, and they're probably jealous, but they'll do it too. Yeah. And they'll, they will. they'll have that opportunity as well. Um, so when people listen to something like this and they, they dedicate well over an hour of their time listening to something. And, and one of the great thing about these interviews is, is you know, people everybody no matter who you are or what you do you're both ordinary everybody's an ordinary person at the mm-hmm. core and and mm-hmm. there's something that makes everybody extraordinary and different and so there's something that we can learn from everybody what do you hope someone who listens to this interview and and um and and hears about your story and and the things you like and even going in and out of the, the world of professional wrestling what do you hope somebody who listens to this walks away what do you think they, they learn from it or they take away from it? Um, you didn't prep me with that question. Nope. Sure didn't. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Um, nope, we sure won't. Oh <laughs> uh, gosh. Um, you know, it's funny cause my instinct would be, there's really nothing to learn from me. Um, <laughs> but you know, I guess, you know, just looking back at my life and some of the stuff we've talked about, I think it's just, I think the one thing that, you know, I hope someone can learn is that, you know, even though things get can be bad or things can be you know, overwhelming and daunting, that um, it, it, it doesn't have to be what it is. It's like there's always something positive that can come out about it. I think about, you know, my first year teaching um, and how horrible it was and where I am now and, you know, even COVID-19 and how, you know, Last last week was my 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 mental breakdown over it. It just mm-hmm. I just I was so overwhelmed and I just I didn't think I could do it. I was you know I was 
tired of working from home. I was tired of being a homeschool teacher. I was just tired of everything. And, you know, um, but you, it's okay to feel that way. And I think that's one of the things is it's okay to, to, to have those moments and to feel down. And I think it's just important to learn that that's not where you need to stay. Yep, temporary. It is temporary. Temporary for sure. It's so funny you talk about working from home and tired of working from home. And, and I feel like how you and I have approached working from home is very different than some other people. I remember last week, I got a text from somebody who was working from home and it was like 2.30 and they were like, so I'm watching Law and & Order. And so, like, <laughs> I how, wish! How the hell are you watching Law & Order? Oh like, I'm sitting in this bedroom that to me is more like a prison cell than a bedroom at this point. And trying to work and, and I do everything I can to escape when I can and, and all that. And it's just like, it work from home is very different for, for everybody else. And it really is based on what their job is and the organization they're working for. And, yeah. I mean, for us, we're trying to hire teachers by doing like zoom yeah, interviews know, and um, trying you know, to do teacher evaluations over zoom when I haven't been able to see them teach in eight weeks. And, you know, and I'm basically in charge of a, a production results driven environment. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to, to watch TV during as much as I would love to. Trust me, if I could, I would. Yeah. Um, one thing we haven't talked about, I guess anybody who knows us would have thought that, that we would have spent, you know, it's an hour and six minutes. They would have thought that we would have spent at least 33 minutes talking about this, and we didn't. And that is, we got this little bird sitting next to us on, on the new couch right now, <laughs> the hokey bird. And I took a picture of him while you were talking at one point. So I did I see that. Tweet it out. It's a little distracting. Um, I, I do that. But... <laughs> Just just Virginia Tech in general, I mean, that is – we obviously, we lived there for four years. Right? Mm-hmm. We spent four years there. Um, it's so funny you talked about how you didn't stay in elementary education so because you wanted to graduate in four years. And now I'm like, you should have stayed longer. <laughs> oh, geez. You know? Yeah, because all I want to do now is go back and get my right? doctorate. And, and do it at Virginia Tech. Like that's, oh, I would love it. Um, but I feel like – all the places we've lived and all the things that we've done and all the places we've gone, I don't know that there's a place that we love more mm-hmm. than Virginia Tech. I agree. And I think I I think that school and that campus, you know, is always going to play a huge part in our in our lives. I, yeah. And, and it's funny because one of our kids wants to go there. One of our kids does not want to go there. Yep. And it's because that kid wants to be different and watch. They'll probably both go there or the one that doesn't want to go there will. And the one that doesn't want to go there won't. Who knows? But yeah, it's I'll, I go so far as, as to talk about it. I mean, and, and I'll just be, you know, people might think it's silly or dumb or whatever. But to me, that place is magical. It is. It's, it's 100 percent magical. It really is. And. I remember when I applied to Virginia Tech and I got in early, I didn't apply anywhere else. And I would have, obviously, in the spring, but in the fall, that's where I applied to. It's where I got in. And I remember one of my friends who I went to high school with, who he was a year ahead of me, so he was there. And I remember him being like, I knew you were going to come here. Like, it, even before I knew I was going to come there. Now, who knows? Um, I mean, it, it, that would have been like somebody's friend telling you that when you met some idiot at a party, you were going to get married to him. <laughs> And Would that happen? I think absolutely that happened, right? That did happen. But, you know, Virginia Tech is something that is we could do a whole podcast on Virginia Tech someday, and maybe we will. But, like, there's not a memory I have of Virginia Tech that isn't cherished and, and amazing. No. You know, even though bad things happened while we were there, and bad things obviously happened after we left, and, and um, one of the worst possible things happened after we left. But it's just, yeah, like that's, to me, that's, that's top of the world. Mm-hmm. I would agree. It's, 
you know, and it, and I don't necessarily think that it was, well, I look back to like my college application process mm-hmm. and I didn't get in early admissions. I got in under regular admissions because my test scores weren't the best. Um, but, you know, I did apply other places. And my, you know, my fallback was Radford University, which is like just 20 minutes down right. the road from Virginia Tech. Um, but, you know, when I got into tech, there was no question that that's where I was going to go. Um, and it is. It's it's the best place on the planet. Yeah. Oh, it absolutely is. It, it's, you know, there's nothing compares to it. Nothing mm-hmm. nothing will ever compare to it. And, and you know, and it, it's funny because it's like, yeah, we're biased, <laughs> but... We also think it's an irrefutable fact. So, Absolutely. Even, we don't think it's an irrefutable fact. It is an irrefutable fact. Like there's no place better um, than than Virginia Tech in, in Blacksburg, Virginia. And it's just an amazing place and an amazing feeling. And of all the places that we've been fortunate enough to live. And look, we moved back to Arizona by choice mm-hmm. after spending two and a half years in Connecticut instead of going back to Virginia, which was our other choice. So we did that knowingly. And, and, and now here we are. But. And I'm so jealous of my best friend who lives right. walking distance now. Yeah, I know. From Tech Campus. Me too. But that's <sighs> just, you know, it's just part of life and, and where we're at. But, um, yeah, I will never, I mean, we'll never forget the time spent there and, and just all the all the memories because that's an amazing place. And there's nowhere else in the world like it. Are you getting tired? I know. I'm yawning. <laughs> you bored me. It is almost midnight. You didn't bore me. We got four minutes left. We got four minutes left until it's May 10th. You didn't bore me. People can hear the interview. They know that you didn't bore me, and, and they know how, how great it was and all of that. So, Oh, four minutes until it's Mother's Day. Yeah, we better hurry up and end this thing soon. Um <laughs> So, you know, I always, you know, we always, I always ask the guests to share their social media, but your world is very different it and, is. And, and we're not going to do that. So well, they wouldn't be able to see anything. And I have highly, the highest highly, highly private C settings possible. It's funny, we joke about the, the, the last name thing, but that was intentionally done when I first did anything in the world of professional wrestling or even considered it as a, you know, I know how crazy you wrestling fans are. <laughs> who are those listening who are wrestling fans. And so I wanted to, to protect from that. And so then when I started writing, I used the wrestling last name of DeMarco. And thank God I did with some of the comments. I started writing back when you didn't have to like register to put comments on websites. You could just do it anonymously. And, and the, yeah, the, the things that you would hear and the things that people would say, it's a damn good thing. They didn't know, know who you really were because it, it's, yeah, you know, that, that different layer of protection. So, mm-hmm. um, but thanks that's, for caring about me to protect me. Yeah, you know, I, I put up this facade, but I do care. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's you know, there, there's a, there's there's a thing in wrestling right now where wrestlers will put up, you know, their their at their their handle on Twitter will be their stage name, but their actual name listed on Twitter will be their real name. And there's actually a, a movement now where they have they have their at name, their Twitter handles, their stage name. Then they put their real name, but it's actually not even their real name. They're using a fake real name oh, that's funny. to put off put off the vibe that oh, this is my real name. But then you're friends with them on Facebook and their actual real name, and you know they now have three different identities out there. I get, I, I'm not smart enough to keep track of three different identities. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we joke and laugh, but you know, my name's been put out there three different times. Two of them are by Patrick O'Dowd saying it on accident. Oh, so, Uncle Pat. Yeah, Uncle Pat. 
<laughs> no one listening knows who Uncle Pat is, but I, I wonder, definitely know. I wonder if Uncle Pat saw my. I don't think he did. He didn't comment on my Facebook post. I tagged him in. I I don't yeah, I don't know. about going did. to the moon with my son. I don't to yeah. see a big tower. You've completely alienated everybody listening to the show okay. right now. They don't, they don't care about that. Okay. But no, I don't know if he did or not. To be honest with you, so I'll ask him about it. Okay. I'll ask him about it when I when I talk to him tomorrow. So, well. We're not going to share your social media so no. they can follow me on social media instead <laughs> at Chairshot Greg. And, and of course, the website is thechairshot.com. This is this is normally where you're like, okay, well, thanks for doing the interview. We'll love to do it again sometime, whatever, bye. But this is funny. Like, we'll end the interview and our life will continue. Like, <laughs> like we don't hang up from from this. We, we, we press the stop button and we stop recording. But, yeah, this has been a lot of fun and, and definitely an interview that I don't know that I ever thought we would do. Um, when I started doing this 10 years ago, but you know, here we are, especially not in the middle of a global pandemic and, and who knows what, but, but things, you know, who, something would have been going on. There's always something going on to, to talk about and distract us from life. But yeah, I'm glad you wanted to do this and I'm glad that, that we had the opportunity to do it. I hope people enjoyed it <laughs> and, and view it as, as, you know, an interview unlike any other that they've ever heard. And, and yeah. I just really hope that people enjoyed it and maybe we'll find an excuse and a topic to, to do it again in the future. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will see indeed. So thank you for doing this. I love you. Mm, I and love I hope you people too. enjoyed it. Me too. Mwah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.